Welcome to the Humane Roundup Podcast, where we share all the exciting stories about animal cruelty investigations, dangerous animals, and amazing rescues. Find out what goes on inside of animal shelters and all the current trends in the animal welfare industry. Now, here is your host, Daniel Edinger. You know, in that intro, he talks about finding out what goes on inside of animal shelters. Sometimes I'm a little concerned what happens inside <laughs> animal shelters. Uh, good morning, Bishop. Episode 71. Good morning. How are things in Wisconsin? Wisconsin? Uh, well, things are warming up, so that's good. You know, we hit like 45 yesterday, so my kids were playing outside in like t-shirts. Um, so looking forward to warmer days, although that means my call load is going to skyrocket. So, And what There's a segue that. into today's episode, right? Uh, we're going to be talking to the Humane Educators of Texas here in a few minutes in a peer support group because... For me, <clears throat> seasonal depression is a thing, right? Uh, sometimes you're you're cooped up in the house, and it's kind of funny because Texas finally, in their history, <laughs> got to feel what winter was like a few weeks ago. So, <laughs> right, uh, we can talk to them about some what you know what that looks like as far as being cooped up in the house and not having that outdoor stuff. But it's so different, you know, in the spring and summertime where you can spend a lot of your time outside. But the caveat to what you just said is your call volume call volume increases. Give me one example of what increases for you in Wisconsin when the weather gets nice? Um, definitely loose dog calls. Um, that increases. Um, we also have, it's getting close to kitten season. So those calls will be coming in too soon. If I, I'm pretty, pretty sure I said one example. <laughs> I know I'm not good at that. Okay. <laughs> You're not wrong though about kittens and and dogs at large. What about uh, dogs and car calls? Um, that, yeah, that's going to start picking up here a little bit. Usually, we don't have too much of an issue issue until June. But I will have people standing outside in their jackets, being like, "Oh my god, this dog is dying in the heat!" And I'm like, "You're in a jacket. What what is the problem here?" A coworker of mine this past weekend. It was maybe sixty degrees. And she got a reading in the vehicle of 104. Wow, really? Yeah. I have, yeah. I have it, not seen that here. And I think the Colorado sun is just a little different, right? Uh, we're higher sure. in elevation, so we're that much closer. Even though 93 million miles away is still pretty far. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it would be 92,999 miles away <laughs> in Denver. So the car wasn't a dark colored vehicle. It was, uh, I think, silver or white. And they went out and uh, sure enough, and, and that's just that shows that greenhouse effect. And so we have to make sure uh, we're aware. But, uh, you know, these summer months coming up, these spring months coming up, it's important that we, you know, exercise our mental health if there's, a, if there's such a way. And, and we're looking forward to finding out more about that here in a second. Absolutely. All right. Well. well Anything else going on this week? Oh, you know what we didn't follow up on is how did your uh, event go? Oh, my goodness. Um, it was pretty awesome. Um, we got through like 50 animals in an hour. Wow. So um, 
realizing that the pre-registration and stuff worked a lot better and having volunteers bring the animals in worked out a lot better, but I got to work with some of the volunteers who, I don't know. I had one that I can't believe she didn't get bit, but she also let two cats loose in a (laughs) parking garage area. It was, yeah, that was something else. It sounds like something else. But yeah, it went well. We we got a uh, bunch of animals vaccinated for free and everybody licensed and a bunch more microchips. So that is great news. Well, hopefully you can continue to build on that and in the years coming it'll, you know, even be better. So good job. Good job. Thanks. All right. Well, let's introduce our next guests from the Humane Educators of, of Texas. We have Kelly Thiessen and Tabitha Blewett. Kelly, is it Thyssen or Thiessen? Tyson. Like Mike like, Tyson? Like the box? Yes. Like the is box it, wait, or the it's, chicken. It's just Tyson. <laughs> not, there's no th. Tyson. No. There, like, there's no th. Like, Tom, like Thompson. You don't go Thompson. Some people do. <laughs> hey, y'all see Michael Thompson out there? He's running amok. Amok, 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 Oh, you're not going to get that movie Just reference, are you? No, I don't get any movie references. Oh, my gosh. Well, welcome, ladies. Only the best Halloween movie ever. Right? He doesn't get anything good. It's okay. Well, uh... well he is about 400 <laughs> years old, so. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this is wonderful. We love you, Dan. I... We should just turn this into a roast, and I'll be good. I'm fine with it. Yeah. What do you mean, turn it? Well, Isn't it already there? <laughs> We're there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, back on track. So uh, some of our listeners may, and I, I'd be shocked if people didn't know who you were. Uh, you're super active in the Facebook groups. The Humane Educators of Texas is awesome. Uh, but there are some listeners that aren't in Texas, even though Texas is about the half the size of the United States. Uh, there's, they might not know what that is. So if you wouldn't mind, just take a brief moment and let our listeners know what the Humane Educators of Texas is and what you have going on. Yeah, so we are located uh, just north of Austin and we do in-person classes. We're trying to get into the online training too, but we do training for animal control officers, for law enforcement. We do public classes like learning about what's living in your backyard, the urban wildlife type stuff, pet CPR. But majority of our classes are all animal control related classes. We have to get our classes approved through our state health department to approve them for continuing education hours. So everything we teach goes towards the state required uh, CE hours for our ACOs. So we've been doing this for going on seven years now. That's fantastic. Random question. How many CE hours are required in the state of Texas? 30 over the course of a three-year period. They're not a lot. (laughs) We've got 30. Oh. Yeah, no, I was just going to say we are, um, as a, when I say we, meaning we we as a Humane Roundup podcast are here to help Ashley form her own state organization. So (laughs) those questions are very helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I wish it, it was requiring more like 30 hours a year. Law, law enforcement officers here in Texas, they require 40 hours every year for their certification. So we'd like to be 
pushing closer to that, but at least we got See, something. We we have thirty two every two years. That's pretty good. Mm, that's pretty good. So, but Bishop, who regulates that if you don't have a state association? Um, the Department of Ag. Got it. Okay. We yeah, have and ours is through yeah. our our health department. So there's our state association doesn't handle the approval process or anything like that. And I think actually I was reading up most have to get most states, I think, have that because I don't know that many state organizations do the approvals. So we have both. We have a requirement through the Department of Ag if someone is a certified or a a Bureau of Animal Protection agent. So if you have that certification or title, which you can apply for, then you do have to have 30 hours of continuing ed every two years. And then our state association has a requirement, which I believe is 20 hours every two years. And a lot of that, if you're a BAP agent, a Bureau of Animal Protection agent, that'll overlap. So if you get your 30 hours, you can apply that to your 20 hours as well. Huh. So interesting, interesting. As we digress, um, people <laughs> don't really care about all our hours. <laughs> Ladies, Tabitha and Kelly, I was watching a, I think it was a, you know, a Facebook Live with Kathy Bustos. How do I say it? Because I'm bad yes. with the last Bustos. name. Bustos. Bustos. And you were talking about mental health in this peer support group, and I was really excited because I think it was Tabitha who said, well, you know, there's like 25 different names. I'm like, hold up, 25 <laughs> different names to define our profession. That means I got to go search for one more to add to this list. And sure enough, I found it because that's okay. what I do. So that's introducing fine. the newest name to define our profession, Animal Code Enforcement Officer. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I had the number relatively correct because... <laughs> I was rather nervous and I was literally sitting there thinking, what did Dan say the other day of how many names there are? And that's the, that was a shot in the dark. <laughs> no. well, you, you, you Not a good it. indicator of how our classes go. No. <laughs> it's usually, usually better uh, researched. But you know what? She got it right because there are, there's probably 25 other names that we just don't know yet. So well, e even a broken clock is right twice in a day. There you go. Ain't that the truth. All right, well, let's jump into to what's going Well, actually, before we jump into that peer support group, I just wanted to chat briefly because I know uh, you do a lot of trainings and how has COVID affected that? And it looks like you've been back in the classroom for a little while now. Can you just talk briefly about how that's been? Yeah, sure. So when COVID hit um, in March-ish of last year, when it started really ramping up in Texas, uh, we did shut down the academy for 10 weeks um, and we just were at home kind of sweating it out going stir <laughs> and then crazy. yeah going stir crazy uh but we got back um into the classroom in starting i believe it was may of last year uh and we were doing very very reduced numbers of classes uh really very low uh students because we could only have a couple of people in the building at a time um but we also kept up with our remotes and so we were teaching a lot up in the dallas area uh and traveling all around the state teaching at other agencies as well. Uh, so we were able to knock on wood, thank goodness, survive through COVID and 
2021 is shaping up to be our busiest year yet, actually. And we're trying to get online with online classes, but we who has the time, really? <laughs> oh, and I think you said something really interesting. Now, and we all know Texas lifted its mask ban, which some people probably have differing opinions of. I don't want to get political on the show, but I... Uh, right. I can't wait till I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I mean, no, no one likes wearing them. I understand the need for it. But point is, uh, I think once people feel like it's pretty much back to normal, we're going to see a almost like a just a boom happen where people are traveling more. They're trying to get out to go to trainings. So I would imagine you're going to get booked up pretty quickly along with anyone else that's providing, you know, whether it's their annual conferences and things like that. So hopefully you're ready for the um, increase in that number. Oh, we're ready. Yeah. Right <laughs> at the end of last year, we had a big boom because a lot of people were finding that they had a huge training budget that didn't get spent because mm. they couldn't go anywhere. So a lot of agencies were like, we got to use up all this money. Do you have classes next year? I'm like, yep. Yeah. So they were booking months ahead just to get rid of their training budget for the 2020 year. Is, so that was nice. <laughs> do we know, and I, I should reach out to Jamie with the, uh, with TACA, the Texas Animal Control Officers Association. Are they doing it in person this year? So far, I believe it's still yes. scheduled to be in person, but yes. it's not until November. Yeah. So and so it was vaccinations and things will be up by then. It was going to be Abilene last year. I don't know where in Texas they plan on if they're going to stay there, if they're going to, because they rotate every. It's, it's going to be in San Marcos. Okay. Sweet. Well, which is uh, right down the road from us. So hopefully. If I get a chance to go and, and speak this year, hopefully we get to see each other in person because I, I know we love uh, having our fun banter in person more more so than on podcast, but it still works either way. Well, Absolutely. we'll at least be there as vendors. So yeah. even if we're not speaking, we'll at least be vendoring. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. I think we should jump into this peer support group. It sounds extremely interesting. And just so our listeners know, this is basically part one of a, a two-part series we have. Uh, next episode, we're going to have Kathy Bustos, who you're going to introduce us to today and kind of just talk about what we have going on with this peer support group. Sounds good. All right. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Kelly and I had to do a quick like pointing at each other. Who's taking it? Who's taking it? <laughs> So, that's, that's a totally um, fine. Maybe we should have done you video. history with Kathy, so I do. Yeah, no, thank God this is not on video. <laughs> so the way it started is I've known Kathy for many years now. We actually met uh, in college, and at the time we didn't know it. I worked for the sheriff's office. She worked for one of our local police departments. Let me clarify that. I did realize that I worked for the sheriff's office. The way that came out did not sound well. <laughs> We didn't know the other one worked for the other department is what I was trying to say. <laughs> Lord, it's too early. Um, so we we became friends. Um, and then over her career with that police department, uh, she also managed the animal control unit. And I'm sure next week she will tell you her, her backstory on, on how that went. But um, fast forward, she's now retired and her and her husband uh, run a company called that peer support couple and they're very active on facebook and social media and they're part of the national peer support network providing peer support and mental health services uh, across the country to different agencies and so i approached kathy um i don't know if it's been quite two years ago and i said hey you know with your experience and you know she's finishing up her master's degree in in uh, psychology and everything i said would you be willing to come out and start teaching some compassion fatigue classes 
uh, for our students. And she said, sure, no problem. You know, yeah, I'll do it. She called us about a week later, uh, almost in tears. And she said, I had no idea. I had no idea what all happened. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what you guys did. And she said, I've realized now that uh, animal welfare as a whole has higher divorce and suicide rates than even law enforcement. And I can't wow. believe the things that you guys go through. And this is a huge problem that we need to fix. And we were like, yeah, we've been telling you for years. <laughs> Facts. Uh, and so, yeah, so she learned all that. And uh, so she started just initially teaching our compassion fatigue classes, which is growing and evolving as we're doing that. But she also uh, is a trainer for the International Critical Incident and Stress Foundation. We call it ICISF. And so she came out and she trains peer support uh, counselors to provide peer support to other uh, professionals during critical incidents. So for us, a critical incident might be, you know, a very large scale seizure, uh, dog fighting investigation, something like that. And so uh, her and her husband travel around the country. So now she came and we did the first one last year and we now have four certified uh, peer support specialists here in Texas that uh, have a special focus on animal welfare professionals. That's and great. So our, our goal is to start locally. We want to create a regional peer support team just for animal welfare professionals right in the Austin area. And as we build that, we'd like to get out to make that a Texas-wide response team and then nationwide and then conquer the world. Yeah. <laughs> so simple, simple steps, right? So this isn't within like a department. Like you're not just training people to help people within the department. These people are trained to be able to go elsewhere and help people. Because like up here, I'm the only humane officer, you know, it, in my county, well, in my city. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they're not going to have somebody trained specifically just to help me. So that person would be able to go everywhere. So that's the goal. So it's kind of a little bit of both. Once a student takes that training and it's two, two day classes, one is uh, focused on one-on-one -on -one counseling. The other one is focused on group counseling and running a, a group debriefing basically. And once that person takes that class, they can go back to their agency and do one-on-one -on -one counseling with other people in their department, but also be able to go elsewhere. If someone said, hey, we need someone to come and talk to our, our unit about this critical incident and help with the peer support, they could go, yep, no problem. I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there today. But if we can create, which is what our goal is, create a response team just like they have for law enforcement and fire and EMS. Basically we would get called up and say, Hey, we just had this critical incident go down in Dallas. We need a team here tomorrow and go, yep, no problem. Call our people on our team and get up there and start providing services for them. And that, awesome. that's so common. That's so common in law enforcement where they have counselors on scene and, and we don't like, we're, we're just not thought of in that way. And I think these little things that we're doing are continuing to build I guess our perception change, like it builds towards our perception changing where it needs to change. Right. And so having, I, I fully believe that like there should be a debrief or an option to debrief after any type of case, whether it's um, kind of a standard. And I say this, but some of our listeners might be like, oh, well, I've never been to a call like that. Like if, whether it's a, an animal sex abuse case or even a, an animal shooting, right. We see things that, 
it becomes, it, we just become so jaded by it. But if we're not processing yeah. it and talking through it, it does cause those issues that, that you talked about. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, to really hear, to have, to hear and, and know the both of you uh, creating this trend in Texas. And uh, I'm hopeful to continue to, to help move it, uh, if I can towards other states and, and maybe, you know, maybe it gets the momentum that it needs. And, and then you, you kind of look back on it, like, wow, like we really started something that has helped people's lives. I mean, if it's say like, think about it, if it saves one person's marriage or one person's uh, thoughts of suicide, right. That's it's victorious. You, you did what you did, but I, I think it can be much greater than that. Yeah, definitely. And, and one thing Kathy mm -hmm. told us when she started doing all the research for our compassion fatigue classes, she goes, what I'm really realizing is that the animal welfare field and animal welfare professionals are sitting where law enforcement was in the nineties when it comes to mental health and getting mental health resources. So we're 30 years behind where law enforcement is now when it comes to getting those resources and getting some sort of mental health consideration for our field. And when those numbers start coming in and showing that we are suffering at higher rates, that's, that's an important number, but it's not getting out to the people who need to know that information yet. So that's, we really try and get as vocal about it as possible so that we can get those, that information out there and get people to think about, Hey, check on your ACOs. Hey, check on your kennel staff. Are they okay? Cause they're probably not. <laughs> and yeah, and, and so we, I'm glad you really, yeah. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. No, I just wanted to say, I'm glad she threw in the kennel staff. Cause that's a huge part too. Absolutely. Yeah. And originally, to be honest, when we, when we originally asked her to do our compassion fatigue classes, it was geared toward uh, ACOs, but uh, we've now switched it to just be all animal welfare professionals, any facet, shelter, kennel, on the, in the field, you know, whatever it is, investigators, it doesn't matter. They all need help. But we kind of have narrowed down our focus really to two main things. And one is, of course, getting any sort of mental health training and resources to animal welfare professionals, but kind of almost the bigger battle is making command staff or whatever agencies people are working for understand how needed this is because the resources are out there. Law enforcement are being provided these resources on a daily basis. Uh, so the resources exist. It's getting them to understand why uh, animal welfare professionals need them. And that can be uh, pretty difficult, kind of an uphill battle. And that's, again, I think it goes back to perception because a lot of, a lot of our command staff or a lot of our elected officials, and I'm talking generally, still think like, why would the dog catcher need mental health stuff? Like all they're doing is picking up strays, right? Like they don't need, why would that be a thing? Like until we can really influence them in a way that like, oh, wow, like they're handling major crimes against animals or people. Like they really are dealing with things that law enforcement officers deal with. It's just animal laws. And so I think the more that we can educate at that point, I hope that uh, things change in, in that sense. So, well, and I think that's part yeah, I of, really think... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think where we are also with mental health is kind of on the, the heels of the vests getting a, uh, you know, ballistics vest for officers is <laughs> that's been an uphill battle trying to convince agencies that, Hey, these guys need vests. 
and that's getting some really good momentum but now we're we're coming behind with not only do they need physical protection but they need mental protection as well and let me plug code three in their aco coalition we had them on last week and they do have a a grant uh process for people that are in need of vests so check that out on their website code three associates and the aco coalition if you're in need of a vest because you should have one if uh if you want you know if you're like hey i need one then you need one so get it for sure for sure and I was just going to say that, you know, overall, it's still that struggle of realistically, we just, we need to be seen as law enforcement and, and have all those opportunities available to us. And that's going to be an uphill battle for a while yet, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, good, good, yeah. Quite, good point too. And I was going to say, I asked this last week, uh, Kelly and Tabitha, do you, are we first responders? Not in Texas. Not in Texas, no. Okay. And that's that's re- another thing we I have re- on our to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I should refra- reframe that question. Do you think we are for, should be first responders? Yes. A hundred percent. Good. But legally in Texas, we are not considered first responders. How does that change in Texas? We would have to change the state law to just have our have uh, animal control included into that. Okay. So it's in it's just- in legislation then. It's not yet. It's one of the one of our focuses, probably for the 2023 legislative session. Awesome. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that our our state association, as well as um, the Texas Humane Legislative Network that's here in Texas, uh, they're they're all kind of working. We're working together to try and get it on the books for this next session. Good. And I think we're going to see that more and more in every state that we we come by. And so kind of once it catches fire in one state, uh, hopefully it spreads across the country. Uh, not necessarily in an actual fire, because then it would tap on resources. Uh, but, and then we need the mental health help. Yeah, it could go downhill. Can I, can I ask a question about, so both of you have worked in the field, you know what it's like. Can you give me some of your tips or what you did uh, when you were feeling, you know, that, like what weather was overwhelmed, compassion fatigue, like what were some of the things that you did uh, to help with that? Well, Kelly and I both have struggled with compassion fatigue at various points in our career. Um, and depending on what point in our career, did we actually seek out professional help for it? Um, but the most recent one I had, uh, I struggled with was when I worked for the sheriff's office and um, I, I did have to seek out professional uh, counseling to help with that. What I didn't know at the time, and this is something that I didn't know, and honestly, until Kathy started teaching for us, was that a lot of the things like EAP, so employee assistance programs through departments or, um, you know, if, if people who just see a regular therapist for any other issues in their life, um, a lot of a lot of times that's not, I mean, any mental health is better than no mental health, but one of the things that we have learned through all this is that the, really the type of mental health that we all kind of need in this industry is really more trauma therapy as opposed to just regular therapy. And so, uh, whereas in my, my experience, I did pursue, uh, some professional help for the things that I was wrestling with. I looking back now, I wish that I would have been linked up with a trauma counselor or someone who is, um, capable of doing EMDR, the but now remember what that stands for. Kathy would know. The eye movement. The eye movement, yeah. Yeah, EMDR. To break up the trauma in your brain. 
it's science. Yeah, I don't know what uh, yeah. it's. Yeah, above my pay grade. <laughs> but for for me, I've had two distinct times in my you know past fifteen years that I I struggled with burnout or compassion fatigue, and both times I left the job I was in, and I left the job to go do something still in the animal welfare world, but no longer in the field. And for me, it came down to leaving a job so that I could have a mental break from the constant call outs, constant pulling on the strings and sending me every different direction. And it wasn't until I actually left the field full time to do this business full time that I realized how badly messed up I was. <laughs> and I never did seek any sort of professional counseling or therapy. And I had to learn how to manage my own stresses. And a lot of that came down to getting outside, getting away from the stresses of work, meaning people contacting me on the phone, emailing me. Establishing boundaries. Establishing boundaries, healthy boundaries. Not just um, sitting in the shower, drinking a beer, crying. That is not a healthy way to manage your stress. <laughs> Painting quite the picture, Kelly. I do. I do my best. We're not on video, so I got to paint the picture. <laughs> yeah, but um, for, but we, for our listeners, it's really important for them to hear the truths. And so I love, I love this content right now, and I really appreciate you sharing because a lot of people have reservations about being honest about this stuff. Because for a long time, you know, mental health issues meant you were like crazy, and that's clearly not the case. So I just want to shout out and say thank yes. you. Yes. Definitely not. Definitely not. Well, I mean, with Tabitha, she's a little well, crazy. Yeah, I'm, a, but... I'm an outlier. <laughs> but, you know, finding things for me to do away from work that created those boundaries, whether that's using my vacation vacation time and going on a cruise for a week where no one can reach me on my phone or email, or Tabitha gives me a hard time. I like to go hunting. So that's going out to the ranch for a week and shooting things. <laughs> And for me, it's hockey. But, you know, essentially it came down to, I don't want anybody to talk to me for a week. So <laughs> get away and, and really build that boundary. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have different ways to manage those stresses. And with our compassion fatigue class, that's one thing that we get into. Or what are some other things you can do? Little things like go barefoot in the grass for 10 minutes and just stick your feet in the ground to ground yourself. You know, stand out in the sunshine for 10 minutes. Drink water. <laughs> Drink water. You know, I, I've been somewhere in the animal welfare profession for, oh God, 18-ish years now. Um, on and off. But I don't want to say I'm one of the lucky ones. I don't know that. I'm sure that the compassion fatigue and stuff has affected me and I just didn't recognize it. But one thing, like you said, we, if you have vacation time, if you have sick time, you need to use it. I think that's one of the big things because I'm one of those people that I, I save, I bank, I put my vacation and sick away until, I, oh crap, I'm getting close to losing it. So I don't use it until that point. Um, but I, it's there for a reason. Like you are allowed to have time to yourself. And I think we're coming into a generation of people where for the most part, like, oh, we got to work, got to work, got to work. We're going to be in trouble if we don't. And I know that's actually how I kind of feel is like, I always feel guilty taking my vacation time. Um, 
but at the same time, like it's there for you to use. They give it to you for a reason. So even if you have to take a day here or there, or if you can take a whole long week and just tell, I tell my boss sometimes like, Hey, I'm not going to be reachable this time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that's an excellent point, but to kind of build on that too, I think it, it starts with everybody setting up those boundaries and, and taking their vacation and taking their time off. But even more so, it needs to also fall on coworkers and supervisors, right? So if, if somebody says, listen, I'm, I'm taking a day off, or I'm taking a long weekend, or I'm taking a mental health day, or I'm just taking a vacation, whatever it is, <clears throat> everybody else needs to be respectful of that and leave that person alone. Because I think we're all guilty of that. You know, oh, I'll just, especially with supervisors, right? Oh, I just got to call them and ask them this one quick question. And we all know that that just snowballs, right? Because then you're thinking about that question the rest of the day and you're not getting that actual mental break from your job. So I think it's really a group effort. Everybody needs to recognize it and everybody needs to be willing to do that. I was literally in labor, (laughs) in the hospital having my child two years ago and I had my supervisor and another ACO calling and texting me work questions while I was in labor. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like guy, like, come on. I, give I me you, actually, you, you probably answered though, knowing you, you're like, well, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I can like, even for my twins. Now mine wasn't, I wasn't in labor with them at the time, but like two weeks later, they're like, Hey, we've got these five cases that we don't know what to do with. Can we just find out what, what we're supposed to do? And then we'll handle it from there. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, at home with twins. I'm not busy. It's okay. You you can message me. You're just sitting around doing nothing. It's fine. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. And, and that was, that was my, supervisor at the time messaging me like that yeah and i mean i understand that cases do have to be handled um but you know it still comes down on those supervisors that you know what you should try and figure out another way to handle it without contacting your employee right let them have their time yeah we have a program in our shelter that's called the care committee and that, that might actually be an acronym for something but what they do is like they really try to to offer some some guidance and support if needed, but they also help with building morale because that's a big thing. Sometimes we get lost in the minutia of doing just doing the work, doing the job, and not hearing you know good job. So like simple things like uh, getting food for the team and just getting people to take a break from their day and just get together and kind of shoot the shit. Now it's been a little difficult with COVID having large groups and stuff, but it is a nice addition right just knowing that we're going to going to take a break while we're at work together and just be human uh, and and really show the support so we we really appreciate that they they have something like that yeah that's awesome yeah you know and similar to that for those people who again are out there and like me i'm the only one at my department um the we have two parking control specialists And we are the three that are on the force that are non-union. We're not officers. You know, there's still a little bit of that clickiness where, okay, you're not an officer. So, you you know, you're an outlier. Um, So we have every once in a while we get together and go for lunch and we call it our non-union lunches. And it's just the three of us. (laughs) That's what we do. 
do they hate being called the meter maid more than we would hate being called the dog catcher? Because I feel like that's worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. They do jokingly uh, call themselves meter maids. We also get told uh, jokingly that we're wannabe cops. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm going to save it for next week's episode. But I, I want to talk about how burnout has affected me. And, you know, getting to that 10 year mark in your career, whether it's in the field or in the shelter, that's kind of where they say like max burnout hits and a lot of people can't recover from that. And so I'm excited to share that next week when we when we do part two and just really discuss like certain things that that I do uh, to help with that and, and having a good support system around. So uh, I'm really excited that we, we came into this today and, and really set it up for for part two and, and really hopeful that we can continue to 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 check in I, I would love to to have you back and see how things are going I, I think you're actually our first well you're our second return guest we we get knack on uh, for monthly monthly check-ins but I, as far as guests that we've had on I, I believe you're our second return guest so uh, as as we move forward in this I think our listeners want to hear and know, hey, how's that stuff going? Like, where's it at? And so our goal is to get you back on and check in later in the year. And then also, you know, we're we're here to help. So any way that the, the podcast can get out the messaging, if you're not available uh, to get on the show, send us some information and we'll make sure to share that. For sure. For sure. Cool. Was there anything else you had you wanted to add to it before we we, we jump off? Yeah, I think the only thing I'd like to add is about our compassion fatigue class. So this is something that we just started, you know, last year, and it really hasn't taken off much here in Texas because it feels like um, agencies don't really think that they need to send their their people to it. But and there are, you know, hour, two hour long compassion fatigue trainings that they can take online and, you know, that sort of thing. And ours is a full eight hours with Kathy and we we joke that it's an eight hour therapy session. (laughs) There's lots of crying. There's lots of sharing, but it's, it's almost cathartic in the class, but we just had one last week with a a couple uh, shelter staff members for one of our local shelters. And both of them came, both of them been in the field for a little while and both came away just dumbfounded about where they were mentally, that they didn't even realize that they had reached this, this level of compassion fatigue that they were at Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it was just so compounding that they're like, I, I was so worried about taking care of all the animals and everything around me. I forgot about myself. And one of the students she had posted after the class, she goes, I was so stuck on surviving that I forgot that thriving was an option. That's awesome. What a statement. And so stuff like that, you know, is what makes us really go forward. And even if we only have a a one person class, at least it was one person. And if we can make those little changes and have this class as often as possible and reach those, those people, then each time it's better. And we're building awareness each time. That's awesome. And see, that's where I kind of feel like I might fall in. Like I say that I've not had burnout. I haven't had the compassion fatigue. I'm sure I have. And I just haven't recognized it as that. So I would be very interested in taking the class just to be like, oh, so that's what my issue was, you know, at this point <laughs> in time. And and here's how I can help it better. Because I'm sure being in the profession as long as I have, 
that I've had it. I've just, again, just surviving it. Yeah, I had a, a situation where I didn't even know this was a symptom of burnout or compassion fatigue until I had a conversation with Tabitha just a couple years ago. And I guess it's been about 10 years now. I was working two jobs full-time uh, at a vet clinic and part-time doing animal control. And I was having like blinding fits of rage to the point where I actually broke my hand punching a metal wow. door. And I did, I, I didn't think that was a, <laughs> a sign of it. And so Tabitha was telling me that, you know, she had had, you know, these blinding fits of rage and that, you know, she had to go and, you know, recognize that this was a, a mental health problem. I go, funny, I had those same moments and I didn't <laughs> even put two and two together that that's what was happening. But I was so engrossed in working so much and I just got to a point that nobody was safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was one of the first times I left my career and I went to go work for the state health department. Um, and I was no longer angry and I was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> okay. Well, at, at Sometimes it takes outer people to yeah. look at us. And yeah. Go, hey, yeah, you got a problem. Yeah. Now that you recognize it, like that's, you know, it's kind of like the, whatever the addiction model is like, once you can recognize there's a problem that that's the big issue, right? That's the first so, step. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, great. So let's give our listeners some of, um, some of the housekeeping stuff. Your website is the, is it the humane educators of Texas or just, Humane Educators of Texas. Just Humane Educators of Texas. Dot, dot, dot com. Also, in Texas, yeah, and Texas is spelled out. So, all right. So, Humane Educators of Texas dot com and your socials, not your social security numbers, but your social media. That would be one, two, three, four. Uh, it's it's also Humane Educators of Texas, and we are on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. And you, now YouTube. You need a TikTok. Tabitha needs a TikTok. Negative. <laughs> I have it. So I have a TikTok and I, I occasionally post stuff of what's happening around here, but I'm not super active in it. It's just a mind suck when I can just sit and watch videos. <laughs> but we are going to start a, uh, a, a new thing on our, probably start it on Facebook and move it over to YouTube. Uh, where We're going to do some video vlogs, as the kids <laughs> call it. Uh, and we're in it's uh tabitha and kelly unleashed or running at large we're gonna we're gonna video us on the road <laughs> i would think it'd that. be more of aggressive at large but I, whatever i mean well, okay. dangerous <laughs> dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah um, we we did a, a facebook live uh right before snowmageddon that was about 45 50 minutes mm -hmm. long uh just q a with us and we we're like you know what this this was a lot of fun let's shorter versions of this yeah well, to our listeners, make sure you check out their website and their Facebook and Instagram and find Kelly somehow on uh, TikTok to see what she's up to. Um, I also, we, I, we're going to wrap it up with everybody on instead of uh, you leaving. So what, before I let you go, or we all go, I should say, I found two new podcasts that I want to shout out that I've been listening to. And one is by a, another ACO, his name is ACO Chamberlain, ACO underscore Chamberlain at, um, on okay. Instagram. Yeah. He's, he started a podcast called in the Doghouse. Uh, it's on, I listened to it on Spotify yesterday and it's a really cool podcast. Uh, I think his approach is, you know, just getting to learn more about us as individuals in the profession. So I think that kind of relates to some of the mental health, just having some normal shop and, and life talk. And so I'm excited to see how that continues to progress. So check out his 
podcast on Spotify in the doghouse. And then we have another podcast. It's a little different. It's more more rescue and uh, shelter kind of oriented. But I, I went on and did one. I think that'll air this this coming weekend called Paw Awareness uh, Podcast. And that's on Apple Podcasts, I believe, and or uh, Spotify. And it's P-A-W-A-R-E-N-E-S-S, Paw Awareness and uh, it, it's pretty cool. It has some different stuff. So they're pretty short, probably about 20 minute episodes or so. And so if you have time to check out those podcasts, please do. Uh, remember to check out H.O. Bishop on Instagram and Facebook and Daniel, or what is mine? Uh, Animal Protection Officer Daniel <laughs> uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And his old age shows again. Can't even remember his own. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as we leave this show today, uh, as, as always on the Humane Roundup podcast, we want to say thank you and keep it humane educators of Texas, Maine. Right. There you go. <laughs> that was a mouthful. A little different. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>